Coming to you live from a barbecue shack near you, it's the SEC Slow Smoke Podcast. We've got the sweet tea, the white bread, and a whole lot of slow smoke takes lined up. So put down your turkey burger, turn up the volume, and grab your hog, because it's about to be on. Oh, yeah. Now, say hello to your self-proclaimed food and sports experts, the utterly enthusiastic Holt Smash, and the one and only Tinder King of Memphis, Mr. JB the underscore Brooks. And now, here's your host, always full of ship, Alex Bullship One. Welcome back to the official SEC Slow Smoke Podcast. I'm your host, Alex. Got my boys, Holt Smash. What's up? Alex, how's it going, man? Just tired of all through with this. What's up, JB? You out there? I'm out here. Uh, <clears throat> I'm alive tonight. Isn't that good? How many How many crystals do you boys have tonight? I had zero today. Was that zero, zero for you, Holt? Yep, zero, zero crystals, and I had about four uh, turkey balls. Turkey balls. Well, I guess you got to have your off days every now and then. Uh, I was I was informed after the fact, or at least I saw the Snapchat the next day that y'all did indeed go to Crystals right after the podcast of talking about Crystals. Was that some good uh, advertising or what? Yeah, it was. Um, hopefully, Crystal throws some um, some money our way. Yeah, we're still waiting on that central paycheck first, but it, it's on its way. Uh, was there anybody else at Crystals like waiting in line besides y'all? Yes, actually, there was a lot because uh, they closed the inside and the drive-through was moving like super slow. Is Crystals similar to Arby's Holt in that you like it but you never think about it? Yeah, actually, it kind of is. Um, but honestly, like Crystals kind of messes up my system every now and then when I go, so I usually like forget. And I'm like, why well, haven't I been to Crystals in a while? And then like the day after I ate it, I'm like, oh yeah, that's why I never go to Crystals anymore. My grandmother got sick once upon a time for eating two week old crystal, and I'll never forget about it. <laughs> I don't know how your grandparents are, but like mine are like the type that don't waste anything. So she didn't waste it, but then she paid for it afterwards. But that was two weeks old, so I couldn't. So that's supposed to mess up your stomach. But if it's supposed to mess up your stomach after eating it right away, then that's really bad. No, I, I wasn't feeling it until the next day, but I mean, it wasn't like too bad. I mean, I just wish I would have, you know drink some Pepto or whatever before I went to sleep. The the Crystal Chick is underrated, people. I remember when that first came out, and that was such a big deal. And to me, it's still a big deal. I kind of like the Crystal Chick. And I feel like, JB, I feel like you're a Crystal Chick guy. Um, I'm actually more of a Crystal guy. Like, I like I used to do, like, the 5 for 5 deal. But now I realize I can eat, like, over a sack full of Crystals with ease. So I feel like I got to go big every time I go there now. I can't wait till the commercial comes out saying they shut down the all-you-can-eat crystals because holding JB's fat ass is a too many. <laughs> I feel like that's coming soon. Like, just shut down in Memphis. Everywhere else you can go to crystals, just not the ones in Memphis. I put it into that real quick. So, Alex, how many crystals do you think that Derek Brown can eat? Derek Brown is a big dude. Um, 
do you think he got to 300 pounds from eating crystals or do you think he got it to 300 pounds the right way? Well, he's from Atlanta. So if I had to guess, he probably went to varsity or Taco Mac a lot. Technically, he's from Sugar Hill, Georgia, which is not technically Atlanta, but I'm sure he claims Atlanta. It's kind of like a Carnival Memphis or a Germantown Memphis thing. I'm pretty sure it's close enough, and it's electro, Atlanta, the metropolitan areas where he claims Atlanta. So if he was going in Atlanta, yeah, the varsity would be a solid spot. He probably frequented Waffle Houses. And I don't know what, what an order a Derrick Brown Waffle House order would be because – I just don't think the all-star special does it for him. I think there's got to be some more more than just all-star special. Oh, yeah, definitely. He's definitely been hitting up Waffle House plenty. Uh, <clears throat> maybe not even late night. Maybe just, like, during the day. Just go get, like, a couple patty melts and an all-star special and maybe a, uh, one of those sausage uh, gravy bowls, whatever they're called. I remember my friend at work once upon a time was asking me, like, Want to go go get lunch there? Like, yeah. And he was asking me, "Where do you want to go?" I was like, well, "I'm about to go to Waffle House. You want to come with me?" He's like, "Waffle House?" I was like, yeah. Like for lunch? He's like, yeah. And it does sound kind of crazy for lunch. I understand breakfast, obviously, and understand after midnight. But like lunch is kind of weird. But I mean, good. I can't have any excuses to go to Waffle House. Definitely not. There. I mean, you really don't. I really don't need much for a reason. I'll go any time of day. Yeah. This is the last thing I'll say about Waffle House before we switch to Auburn football because this is the Auburn football podcast and we are excited to talk about Auburn football and Gus Malzahn and the quarterback battle and the, the defense and the offense and the scoring points and all that great stuff but um, I did frequent or I did go to Waffle House the other night and instead of the all-star special I did finally make the switch to the, the bowl and I did not regret it at all like zero regrets no regrets at all I wonder if uh, Gus Malzahn is going to be eating a lot of Waffle House this year. Mm. Yeah, I was about to say that because, like, you know, that's a post-game meal after wins. Uh, Alex, I'm not going to lie. Like, that was, like, the easiest transition ever, and you totally just blew it. Well, you know, that's why we have three of us here to take over for whenever one of us doesn't doesn't do something right. Um, So that was an easy transition. Doesn't he go to Waffle House even when they lose, though? No, they have to go home and make a sandwich. Okay. Uh, I wonder. I wonder which Waffle. It's funny because we went to an Auburn game this year, the, this past year, when they actually surprisingly lost to Tennessee, and we saw. I don't know. I think it was Holt that was riding with me. We saw the Waffle. We saw a Waffle House right before the stadium. That's. Or I guess as we were getting closer, I was like, I wonder if this is the one that Gus goes to. I wonder if this is the one that Gus goes to. But it, you would think he would have to go one that's kind of off the beaten path a little bit because you. I just don't think he would want it to be the one go to the one that's closest to the university where everybody goes, everybody knows about. It's not. It's the one that's closest to campus. He even has his um, own favorite booth that he sits in every time he goes there. So you're telling me he goes to the one that's the closest to the university? Yeah, the one that's closest to campus, and he has his own booth. Every time he shows up there, he sits in the same booth, he and his wife. Hmm. I like I like a man that doesn't change for the money. He, he, he's got his, his guy's style, and he's sticking to it. I like that. I think I would like to think both of y'all would do the same once we hit it big with SEC slow smokes. Once Crystal starts paying us our uh, royalties. Yeah. Well, as I was about to say, you mentioned Central earlier. Central already owes us like a ton of money. Yeah. They do. They do, in fact. Holt, uh, what, what excites you about Auburn this year? Um, there's a lot, of things, a lot of things to get into. I'm trying to figure out how I want to set this up. Just tell me what, yeah, I guess just tell me what excites you most about Auburn as a Mississippi State fan, if that's possible. Well, I mean, I think just the fact that they're getting back to more of a running style quarterback. I mean, I think 
you know, whether it's Joey Gatewood or Bo Nix, I think is probably the two most likely candidates to win the job. Whichever one of them wins the job is going to be a running quarterback, and Gus Malzahn's kind of taken over the offense a little bit. Chip, Chip Lindsey's moved on. So, uh, you know, I think we're going to get back to seeing more of what we saw early in Gus Malzahn's career. Um, I don't know if that necessarily means they're going to be great on offense this year, but I am excited to see what it looks like, um, you know, back with the running style quarterback and if they're able to kind of duplicate some of that success they had early in his tenure there. I was reading a report from AL.com that says Joey Gatewood is in the lead for the uh, first-string quarterback battle. Uh, But if you ever listened to anyone around the Auburn program, Talk about Bo Nix. They swear up and down that like he's the next Cam Newton, or the, that's at least the way I I hear people talk about Bo Nix. Like he's something else. Um, do you have an opinion on either one of them? Like who should be the starting quarterback holder, or is it one of those situations where we haven't seen enough of them play? Well, I mean, it's always so hard for a true freshman to come in and play right away. And Gatewood is a redshirt freshman, so it's not like you know he has any experience either. But at least he's got like a year under his belt. And, um, you know, isn't really focused on anything other than football. You know what I mean? I feel like when you're a freshman, you first move in, like, you know, everything's totally different and you're just readjusting to college life. I feel like at least with Gatewood, he's got that one year of experience under his belt and he's kind of already used to everything and he's just kind of ready to, to go. And, um, you know, you look at him and the first thing that jumps out is his size. I mean, he's 6'5", over 335 pounds, just a really big dude. And, um you know, obviously is known a little bit more as a runner. So I'm really excited to see uh, what he looks like. I do agree that I think he's the front runner, but Bo Nix from everything that we've heard is, you know, a really exciting player is really highly recruited player. And, you know, he's obviously played football at Auburn and, um, you know, I, I am a little bit worried about his size. I mean, he's six two, just over 200 pounds. So, you know, obviously he's going to, you know, hopefully he's put on some weight over the summer. Um, you know, it's not super big for a quarterback, but um, especially compared to Gatewood. So, um, yeah, I mean, I could see Nick's winning the job, but I think Gatewood is definitely clubhouse right now. JB, do you think QB size matters in college as much as it does in the NFL? The NFL, you always hear about size, but college, you don't hear about it as much. And there's always there's always smaller quarterbacks that are good in college, like Kyler, Kyler Murray or Chase Daniel, if you want to do a real good throwback reference. Or Johnny Menzel. I mean, there. It doesn't really matter about size as much in college because you know it's 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 not the NFL where you know you need someone that can take a lot of the hits. Like in college, uh, you know you're you're only there for a few years, so you're not taking as many hits. And college, they want guys that that have scrambling ability too. Jimmy, one thing I read about in the Auburn previews is that their offensive line is supposed to be better this year. Uh, can you, in fact, confirm that and add some color to that? Yes, I can indeed. Um, <clears throat> they actually have every single offensive lineman from the last year's lineup back. And the entire starting lineup pro- projected, from what I'm seeing, is going to be all seniors. And that really bodes well to have an experienced offensive line. Holt, is that scary to have a great offensive line for Auburn? That's, believe it or not, I think a I think they're really like a true run-first offense. I mean, um, they do a lot of motion – I don't know, wildcat motion offense is what I call it. Uh, but they ultimately, when they're the most successful, they're running at a thousand miles per hour and they're running like three or four yard plays. And then, then they'll hit the you know 20 yard pass and just keep going forward. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think Gus Malzahn at his core is a you know, run first play caller. That's what he, he wants to establish the run. And, you know, even though he kind of got famous for maybe like some trick plays and um, stuff like that, um, he's really at his core known for being able to run the football. And, um, you know, obviously Auburn's offensive line really struggled last year. Um, they got a little bit better at the end of the season. And as JB stated, I mean, they have five starters back and all five are seniors. You know, that's really impressive. That's really good. Um, but from what from what I hear out of Auburn, from just like some beat writers and just other stuff that I've read, is basically they feel really good about the first five. And then after that, they really have no clue. I mean, it's really like a big drop off. They're not really sure who the next guy's going to be after that. So I think if they're able to stay healthy, they have a shot to be a really, you know, a really solid unit this year and take a really big step forward. But if they sustain some injuries, they could really be in trouble quick. Who is more likely to be on the Auburn team a year from today? Holt, Bo Nix or Gus Malzahn? Uh, definitely Bo Nix. I don't even think that's a question. I think but, if Joey Gatewood comes out and is awesome, I still think Bo Nix would hang around for a little bit just because obviously he grew up a big Auburn fan and his dad played there and all that stuff. So I don't think he's going anywhere. But Gus Malzahn, on the other hand, definitely – has potential to not be there next year if they underperform this season. What is the definition of underperforming for Auburn this year for Gus Malzahn? Is it when it, like if they don't win a national championship? I no, feel like the, I think, I feel like the stakes are pretty high. Obviously, Auburn's schedule is really hard this year. You know, I mean, obviously playing in the West and then having um, Georgia as your crossover game and playing Oregon out of conference. I mean, that's just really tough. They have road trips to Texas A&M, Florida, and LSU this year. And then, you know, they get Georgia and Alabama at home, who are two of the best teams in the country. Um, I think most likely uh, – I'm not going to put, like, a win total on it. Like, that's just kind of hard to do. But I just think they have to be really competitive um, this season. Uh, they have to be able to win some game, some big games for one. And number two, um, when Georgia and Alabama come to town at the end of the season, they can't get blown out or anything like that. I think they have to be competitive in those two games. And they may even have to win one of those two games for uh, Gus Malzahn to keep his job, in my opinion. JB, does Gus Malzahn deserve to be on the hot seat to even to begin with? Um, just considering how um, last season went, I mean, I guess you kind of have to say that. I mean, when you look at his tenure at Auburn, it's been somewhat inconsistent. I mean, he's had some really good on you, including this first season there, you know, where they went uh, to the national championship and lost to Florida State, but Ever since then, they've had some on and off years where they are either, you know, really good or really mediocre. Uh, two years ago, I thought they were a pretty good team, uh, but they lost two games in a row to end their season on a low, sour note. And then last year, uh, they underperformed, started off preseason ranked uh, top 10 in the country. I think maybe they started off number eight, I think, in the country. Then they beat Washington, if you remember that correctly. They did. Yeah. But this year, um, I think they're in a good spot because, um, you know, they're, they're in the lower teens, and usually when Auburn starts off in the lower end of the top, top 25 or not even in the top 25, they usually have a good season. And I think this year the pressure is really on Malzahn to perform, and I think he's got the pieces in place on both sides of the ball to do that this year, even with a tough schedule. I really do like this Auburn team. You said both sides of the ball. Some about their defense. We mentioned Derek Brown and his varsity and – Waffle House eating habits, but why is he so good and who else can help him out on defense? I mean, I think this is arguably the best defensive line in the SEC. I mean, I 
I mean, when you combine um, the units like the offensive line and the defensive line, I don't know if you can say there's another team in the SEC that combined is better than Auburn on both sides of the ball. And in the SEC, as history shows, uh, winning up front is the most crucial key for each team to win in any game. But I love this defensive line. It's not just Derek Brown. I mean, Nick Coe is a stud, and so is Marlon Davidson. But all three of them are really good. Like, to me, I thought last year the best defensive line in the SEC was Mississippi State. This year, I think it's Auburn. Auburn's defensive line is absolutely loaded. But this year's Auburn's defensive line, as loaded as they are, isn't as good as Mississippi State's defensive line last year, correct? Um, probably not as good, but I mean, it's, it's going to be a really good defensive line. I mean, it's, it's, they're going to be able to dominate in the trenches on defense. I mean, I think this defense with Kevin Steele, like, I feel like Kevin Steele is one of the more disrespected uh, defensive coordinators in the SEC just because he's, he's kind of forgotten about. But when you look at his history, the last three years, uh, combined the last three years, his defense have the best total yards per game allowed for any team in the SEC the last three years, but no one ever talks about Auburn. Yeah. I feel like Kevin Steele has got, like, some, like, stains on his history. You know what I mean? Like, for the most part, he's been really solid. But, like, everyone always remembers that game where they he was the defense coordinator at Clemson and they gave up, like, 70 points to West Virginia. And then he was the head coach at Baylor for a little while when they were, like, at the, like, absolute bottom of, you know, like the worst of the worst in college football. So, I mean, he does get kind of a bad rap because of that, I I, I think. But he definitely is – really well-established and a very solid defense coordinator and probably one of the more underrated ones in the country. He was interviewing for the Tennessee job back before Pruitt got it. Um, but, I, yeah, for me, like, I can't get over his record at Baylor, but you did bring up a good point, um, Holt, that that was when Baylor was – what Baylor – it's funny because we would call – that's Baylor being Baylor, but now the past, like, 10 years, Baylor's been relatively – good or they at least were with uh with Bryles so it's kind of like rebranded their their football program but before Bryles Baylor was horrible and this is like a good example of his four year tenure with Baylor winning he only won nine games in four years so it was tough but do you think he's good enough now where he could be a better head coach I mean it's kind of old too that's another point yeah I mean he would have to go into like a really specific situation I mean I just don't know if at some point know. in his career, like, he would be an exciting hire for anyone. I don't know if any boosters would be really excited about that. I don't know if any fan bases would be really excited. I mean, I feel like he's he's generally been a good recruiter over his, over his career. But, I mean, I just – I do worry about that just a little bit. Um, you know, I mean, I guess we'll never know. And maybe one day we'll get away from the trend of, like, the young up-and-coming coach and maybe try to go with some more established and more experienced um, would be like a good hire, but the truth is, like the coaching business just doesn't really work that way. Oh, JB mentioned the defensive line being the best in the SEC. Uh, does that mean their secondary is more of a weakness for them? Well, it definitely showed at times last year. Um, they really, they just didn't really have like an elite player in the secondary, and they were, you know, they weren't bad, but they, you know, they were susceptible against some teams that could really stretch the field. Are you referencing the Tennessee game that we watched? Yep, the Tennessee game that was actually on the SEC Network today. Oh, nice. Um, so I actually just rewatched that. Um, but did yeah, you see us in the crowd? <laughs> no, I did not see us in the crowd. I was looking for. I was looking for. So we were way up in the upper decks. But one thing I did remember was that we could actually hear uh, Jared Sidham clapping all the way up in the upper decks, and 
at first I was like, man, like that must mean it's really quiet in here. But then like I, when I was watching on TV today, like Jared Stidham does clap like ridiculously loud. Like, I don't know like what it is, but even on TV, it's just like, man, like he's clapping really loud. But I don't know if that answers your question. All right, Alex. I can't. Hold on. I couldn't hear you for a second. What were you saying? No, I was pretty much done. We can move on now. Oh, I was saying, didn't Jared Sinem get drafted by the Patriots? Yes. Yeah, so it's kind of funny when you think about it because everybody thought he was a bad quarterback. I mean, it's not like he got drafted in the first round by the Patriots and he's like the the um, the heir to Tom Brady. But, I mean, everybody thinks like somebody, something's, something's good when like the Patriots pick you up, no matter if it's in the draft or especially if it's like a, you know, free agent or some kind of trade or something like that where nobody likes you, but the Patriots pick you up. So maybe, maybe Stidham will be good. I always thought uh, Ryan Mallett was going to be the, the guy behind Tom Brady, but he, uh, he got disappointed me back in the day. Yeah. Ryan Mallett like never really lived up to the height. Like, I mean, he had a, like that one good year at Arkansas, but he was always like this really big, tall dude with a big, strong arm. And he just never was able to put it all together. I remember watching preseason football, uh, with the Patriots and Ryan Mallett coming in like the second or third quarter. I remember like there was like the simplest screen passes and he would throw the ball a hundred miles per hour at like the halfback or the receiver. And it was, it was so funny to watch. Cause I think, I mean, it wasn't even that long ago where Twitter, Twitter was still a thing. So Twitter was still going on. And I remember reading, reading tweets about it while I was watching and thinking the exact same thing about how, how hard he was throwing and People were saying, like, yeah, Ryan Mallett would be good if he ever learned how to, like, not take off the arms of his receivers when he throws it every single time. But I I digress. Uh, so maybe Jared Sinem could be that guy. Um, oh, so we talked about their their secondary being, uh, I guess, needs improvement, needs work. Um, but as we mentioned earlier, uh, the strength of Auburn is their offensive line and the strength of Gus Malzahn's offense is hurry up, no huddle offense with running the ball up the middle. And, um, well, I don't know if just up the middle, but just running the ball in general. So that brings me to my next point. Hole. How do you feel about the running backs this year? Well, I'm actually really glad you brought that up because we haven't even mentioned uh, Booby Whitlow yet. He's a guy who had a really big season last year um, as a freshman. And uh, he was actually a guy that didn't even play running back in high school. He, he kind of like moved all over the field. And last year was his first year playing running back. And he had some ups and downs um, as, as the season went on. But you could really see uh, the talent level that's there. And I think he has a chance to emerge as uh, a really solid running back. Seems like every team we preview has a great running back. And the SEC is just absolutely loaded with tailbacks. And he's just another one that's that could really uh, separate himself this year, I think, if, if that offensive line is able to stay healthy. Because he's definitely got the talent. Uh, pop quiz time. Well, what is Bibby Whitlow's real first name? Jatarvius. God dang, JB. I asshole. I know. I just, I, I just blurted it out. It's, I, it's actually like right in front of me too. So I would have just said the same thing. I would probably have said it wrong, but. Um, well, this is, I'm looking up now. He's class of 2017. Um, <laughs> and he was a three star coming out the 527th ranked player overall. That's why sometimes recruiting rankings don't matter as much because um, especially I think for football, it's kind of hard to rank all the football players because basketball, there's only five players on the court at a time and you get to see how each player is playing a lot better when there's only five, but it's like football that it's really hard. I mean, especially for some of the non-skill positions, um, 
like offensive line, defensive line. There's so much going on in one game. It's like you really have to focus on one player to determine if they're good. So it's kind of understandable how some some players can slip through the cracks. But um, we think we think he's better than his recruiting ranking, right, Holt? Oh yeah, definitely. And I mean, another thing too, not to go too far off on this, but basketball plays way more games, and they have like all the AAU stuff. So like all the best players are playing against all the other best players and all that stuff. And you know, high school football, these guys are only playing like you know twelve games a year. And I mean, you just, the opportunities are limited, and like not all of them play against the same level of competition. So I mean, you take all that into account, and it's just it's a lot harder to. Uh, you know, to rank uh, high school players in football than is basketball. Right. I would agree with you. Um, the schedule hole is kind of tough. Or I'll, I guess I'll ask JB because I haven't talked to you in a while, JB. I'm mishearing your voice. Um, the schedule's tough, as we mentioned earlier. Uh, <clears throat> the, do you know what the biggest projection is for wins? Um, it, I guess it depends on who you look at. Um, I think most – pundits are having the Auburn projected around that seven or eight wins. Um, the thing that sticks out with me about this schedule is that the discrepancy from October and November. In October, they spend the entire season or the entire month of October away from Auburn, and then they spend the last four game, the last four games of the year season in November all at home. So they got three straight road games in October, then four straight home games in November. That is an interesting tidbit, JV. Um, the, the Vegas win projection that I looked up was eight and a half for the over under. So my first question is holds, would you take that bet or would you take the over or under for that? Um, hold on. I'm going through the schedule quick. Let me figure it out. While Holt goes through the schedule, I'll go ahead and tell you, Alex, that I would go with the over. I've actually been studying over and unders. And uh, when we do our season preview, like our overall season preview, I will give you a few teams in SEC in which I will take the over or the under on their win totals. Okay. Yep. I'm actually going to take the over as well. Um, I just looked at the schedule and I've, we've actually already picked some of these games, um, but I'm actually I'm actually going to take the over as well. I'm looking at the schedule and I see I see nine possible wins. I see three three games that at least three games that are just going to be hard to win: the Georgia, Alabama. Um, at LSU, at AM, at Florida. I think three of those games they're gonna have to lose. I mean not gonna have to, but like I just think it's gonna be tough. But again, like we're saying, this could be one of those years where Auburn decides to play football and just runs through the schedule and like loses only one or two games. So no it's respect kind of... for what's that? No respect for Oregon? No. I mean Oregon just... Oregon Oregon won what like nine games last year, and they're they are preseason number thirteen. So technically, they are ranked ahead of Auburn. But I just I don't know. I don't they know why. I don't I don't know. I haven't looked at the lines yet, but they are going to be ranked ahead of them in the preseason poll. I wouldn't be surprised if they're listed as a favorite. You know, it's weird though because it seems like Auburn. I mean, I don't know if it's just last year because they beat Washington, but it seems like they played really well at the beginning of the year too. They do, and I think. Um, you know, there's there's all there's a little respect factor too. Like Auburn last year actually was ranked lower in the preseason than Washington, but because the game was in Atlanta, it was almost like a game for Auburn anyway. I mean, Washington fans don't aren't as passionate about football as Auburn fans, and they also had to travel across the country. Meanwhile, you know, Atlanta's a melting pot; already has a huge Auburn base, and then Atlanta is only an hour and a half from Auburn, so it was it was pretty much like a home game for Auburn anyway. And that was actually uh, it was actually a good game. 
Uh, I mean, it was mostly defense, but that was an exciting game. And it was actually – it was kind of fun to be in Atlanta that weekend because, believe it or not, there were Washington fans strolling around um, Buckhead and wherever, um, like, that whole weekend. So it's kind of cool. And that's one thing I do like about Atlanta is that um, it's – a fun place to visit for out of town fans. So a lot of people, a lot of out of town fans will come and like a weekend of a big event like that, you can see them wearing their gear. So I think it's kind of cool. So um, this one against Oregon's in Texas, so it's not going to, not going to be the same, but there's going to be that uh, Alabama Duke game here to start the year off. Uh, so I don't know if there'll be too many Duke fans here for football, but maybe just maybe. Um, oh, what's your most excited game this year for Auburn? And, I was, you can't say Alabama, just, I feel like a lot of people say that all the time. I mean, I think um, I think it's between Florida and LSU. I'm actually going to say Florida. Um, I think that's like a big opportunity early in the season for Auburn. Um, you know, I think Auburn may be a little bit better than Florida, um, but it's on the road. So, Florida is maybe just slightly overrated coming off the last season. Not that I think they're going to be bad or anything. I think they're going to be good. I just don't think they're quite as good as, you know, some people are making them out to be. So that should be a really good game, and um, I'm really looking forward to that one. My game, actually, believe it or not, is the at A&M game. I think that'll be a fun game uh, just because I think a and going to be better this year, and I think Auburn – them and Auburn are going to be pretty close to about equally ranked, I think. So it'll be fun to watch that game, I think. Plus, a and is kind of a fun home crowd. So I think it'll be fun. Any final words before we get on with the schedule here? Yeah, I was going to say, I, I agree with Holt about the Florida game being intriguing. Uh, it's also the closest school in the SEC to Gainesville is Auburn, and they only get to play each other, you know, once every seven or eight years because of this new schedule. So I do, I am intrigued by that one. But I'm also intrigued by their game at LSU. I feel like this is a game in which the winner will be in position to challenge Alabama, uh, you know, in November for the uh, – Western title, although I mean I think Alabama is going to be pretty dominant, but I do think that they'll be in a position where they can beat Alabama and uh, be able to have a chance to beat the West. Thank you for that tidbit, JB. Now we can begin with the schedule. Start with Week One against Oregon in Dallas or Arlington, technically at AT and T Stadium, the Advocare Classic. I'm not sure how y'all feel on the neutral site games. There's been like a big pushback uh the past year or so about teams not playing home and homes anymore people are getting mad at these neutral site games but they are kind of fun still um one of y'all talk about how what your opinion on that is and the second the second one answer um if this is the best game for week one so i'll i guess i'll ask you jb how do you feel about neutral site games and holt can you tell me is this the best game for week one well, I don't know what Holt feels, how Holt feels about it, but I absolutely hate neutral site games. I think these games should be always be played home and home. I like to call it the home atmosphere better, you know, being played on campus sites. I don't like the, these games being played in neutral sites and NFL stadiums. It just doesn't excite me at all. And uh, I do think that um, some of these teams are start, schools are starting to uh, go back to the old model, doing homes like Georgia, Notre Dame, and also uh, I think uh, – Tennessee and Oklahoma are doing a home and home. Uh, there's some other games coming up next year. Uh, Arkansas is going to Notre Dame. Um, shoot, there's another game next year that's or LSU Texas, like games like that. Those are we want to see those games, you know, on the respective college campuses in those stadiums. 
not in a neutral site at half the fans from each team. Like I understand, like there's a, there can be exceptions occasionally, but that should not be the new model. I feel like we should go back to having the old fashioned home and homes. Let, let yeah. me let me let me ask you one question, Hold before or JB before Hold jumps in here. Um, I understand what you're saying. I agree with you for the most part because home home crowds are fun and uh, can get kind of crazy. But what do you think about teams playing like basically at home, like for instance, Georgia playing at Atlanta in Atlanta, or NC State playing in Charlotte, or Arkansas playing at Little Rock, stuff like that? I mean, I think that's okay. I mean, I don't see Georgia ever having a home game in Atlanta. Like, I think if they had a game, like it's going to be considered a neutral side game for them. Well, uh, yeah, Alabama, it's it's a neutral side game, but like for yeah. all intents and purposes, it's a yeah. Home game. I, I, what I'm saying is like out, Georgia would not move like an actual home game from Athens to play in Atlanta. That's what I'm saying. Like Alabama used to do that uh, back when they used to move a few games a year, Tuscaloosa to Birmingham. And of course, you know, Arkansas still moves one home game a year to Little Rock. But, and, you know, and Ole Miss Mississippi State used to play like a few home games a year in Jackson, Mississippi. But you don't really see that anymore. Like teams are all about playing or, you know, on campus stadiums. And I, I, I do prefer that. Holt, you've been quiet. I feel like you got a lot of opinions stirring over there. Yeah, you're right. Uh, I'm going to try to keep it short just because I don't want this going too long. But, um, I am okay with the neutral side games. I think they're pretty cool. Um, however, I do enjoy the home and homes more. I think that as long as there's a healthy balance, um, I'm fine with that. Um, as far as whether or not this is the best game of week one, I definitely think that it is. Um, I mean, I think there's some other games that definitely interest me. Like, I'm definitely very interested in the uh, Ole Miss-Memphis game. I'm very interested in the um, – Texas. The Well, that's week two. Oh, okay. um, but, uh, yeah, and then, I mean, week two is actually going to be, I think, even better than week one. Week one, uh, actually, got, to me, is underwhelming. And then you got Texas A&M and Clemson playing as well. But and then uh, also on week one, then you got uh, South Carolina and is North Carolina, I believe. So that's a pretty good matchup as well. Or is it NC State? I can't remember now. It's North Carolina. It's North Carolina. Okay. So that'll be a decent game as well. Like pretty much any Power 5 matchup involving SEC team. Uh, should be pretty interesting. So, you know, I'm I'm pretty excited for week one, but it's, you know, it's not like it's unbelievable or anything. I'm not like excited to watch Alabama beat Duke by like 50. To me, uh, week one is kind of underwhelming. Yeah. No, I think def- last year or maybe it was either last year or two years yeah, ago. It was, it was two years ago that it was loaded. You like an Ole Miss playing Florida State and a lot of other games. Yeah. Yeah, like Alabama playing Florida State. There was like one versus three. Oh, wait, there was that one, but then uh, I'm going to mix up because Ole Miss played Florida State, too. That was two different games. Yeah, that was 2015, I think. Yeah. Or no, 16. Okay. Yeah, Alabama-Florida State was actually a pretty good game. I mean, pretty good setup, but it wasn't a necessarily great game because Alabama just dominated like they were supposed to. Yeah. Go ahead, Holt, with Oregon since you're, you're on the mic. Yeah, I mean, I honestly think this game could go either way. Um, I think Oregon's offensive line has a chance to be really good this year, but I don't think they face the defensive line anything like they're going to see with Auburn. Um, Justin Herbert is a really talented quarterback, probably going to be one of the top quarterbacks taken in next year's draft. Uh, I really like what Mario Cristobal is doing at Oregon. They've recruited really well. They've you know brought in like a really big recruiting class this year. Um, you know he's definitely turning it around up there. 
And, I mean, honestly, like, I see this game as a toss-up. I think this game could really go either way. I think Auburn's a three-point favorite um, in this game. Uh, I, I am going to go with Auburn just because it seems like SEC teams always play better in these in these types of matchups. Um, I know that's not necessarily, like, a great logical point there, but I just – it's just – I feel like I've seen this movie so many times before where there's, like, this – out of conference challenger and it's you know this is hype game and then the sec team just kind of wins and then goes on to not even be like that great um over the course of the season kind of like with washington last year um it looked like auburn had a big win um and really they ended up not being that great of a team jb you're talking about oregon are you brave enough to pick them now no i'm not I, I, i'm going with auburn in this one i mean Anytime I feel like there's a non-conference, you know, big-time battle between, you know, a higher-end SEC program against, you know, I guess another higher-end program from the other Power Five, I'm usually going to lean to the SEC program in these games. So, I, I'm going with Auburn. Do you all remember when Reggie Bush and USC played Arkansas, like, home-and-home home way back in the day? And, like, that was, like, an argument like, why the SEC isn't as good? Yeah, it seems like a million years ago. Yeah, but, like, they destroyed Arkansas. But to be fair, everybody – USC destroyed everybody because USC was just so much better. They had Matt Liner, Reggie Bush, and Lindell White, and they had – I forgot who the receivers, but they had a lot of good players on that team. Um, but, yeah, I, just, I remember that now. Um, but, yeah, I would agree with you all saying the SEC does usually beat the non-conference teams in these big matchups. Um, but that's actually – that's not true too much SEC bias. That's more of, like, a kind of a fact thing. That's just what's happened over the past few years. I would like to see a, a team that could compete with SEC, but Oregon is a team that can, should be able to compete with Auburn because, I mean, Auburn is ranked lower than Oregon, so we'll see what happens. I'm sure the line's going to be – I think it might be in Auburn, but it's not going to be by much, um, so it'll be fun. Uh, next two games, probably brief through these uh, real quick because we think it'll both be wins against Tulane and Kent State. Both of them, win. Both of them are at Auburn. Um, I will point out that Tulane is on the up and up with Willie Fritz. They went they won seven games last year, um, and they think they can win more this year. I think they're picked like second or third in the American, uh, third in the American West. Not that that's any comparison to the SEC West, but um, Tulane did win like two or three games the year before Willie, uh, year before Willie Fritz. Now they won seven games, so they're on the up and up, but still not Auburn good. And I just have to take a second to defend my American Athletic Conference teams. For, uh, for a few minutes. Uh, but I do also want to point out, JB, that did you know that Auburn and Tulane used to be a rivalry just because uh, Auburn and Tulane used to be in the uh, Southern Conference before uh, Auburn switched over to the SEC? Did you know that? Um, are you sure it's not because Tulane was an SEC member? Because Tulane, and all, Tulane was once a member of the SEC. That's what I think we're saying the same thing. Um, it was the... Um, it was the SI. I'm reading this now. It was the SIAA, which is Southern Intercollegiate Athletic Association, until leaving from 1922. From uh, until leaving in 1922 to form the Southern Conference. So Tulane left. Uh, Tulane left the same conference as Auburn. What whatever it was the SIAA to form the Southern Conference. Then Auburn left to form the SEC. Isn't that crazy? If you think you think about it, Tulane could be like LSU basically if the Southern Conference took off like they were thinking the SEC was going to? Yes, it's just the course of history. I mean, look at Georgia Tech. Yeah. Georgia never left the SEC. If they had stayed in the SEC, they could have easily been a power and 
you know, being in Atlanta, and they would have been a huge rival of Georgia. I mean, they are a big rival of Georgia, but, I mean, let's face it, I mean, Georgia's a way better program than Georgia Tech. Yeah, I mean, you you say that like the ACC is really that that much worse than SEC, and SEC obviously is better than the ACC in football, but there's no excuses for Georgia Tech not being great in football. And I know Holt feels – I think Holt feels strongly about this too with where Atlanta is centered around all the different high school players around Atlanta, although they're not loyal to the state of Georgia, but there is a lot of talent around Georgia Tech, and maybe they'll uh, kind of turn around with their new head coach. Yeah, I've always kind of said that I thought Georgia Tech should be way better than they are. Um, I mean, they do have some academic restrictions, but, I mean, when you're in Atlanta, like, I just, like, I, I feel like, I mean, it, not even just recruiting kids from the Atlanta area, but just, like, the entire Southeast, I feel like a lot of people would want to go play in Georgia, or a lot of people want to play in Atlanta. It would just be a really cool place to be, you know what I mean? It just seems like you could recruit to a big city like, like that. I don't know. I agree, especially on the basketball side, but that's a whole other issue. Um, so we're not going to get into that today. So we're going to move on. 3-0 Auburn takes on Texas A&M at Kyle Field. This is going to be a fun one. And I'm trying to look at Texas A&M's schedule. Uh, they'll, they'll, probably, they'll probably be 2-1 because they're going to play Clemson. I forgot about that. Um, so two, two really good teams. Auburn could be top 10, should be top 10 probably by this point if they beat Oregon. Um, and I'm still, still probably in the top 20 with one loss to Clemson. Be a fun game. Holt, break this down for me. Yeah, this one is really, really tough. Um, I really think Texas A&M is going to take a step forward this year. Um, I think both of these teams are going to kind of surprise a lot of people this year and uh, end up kind of be uh, going to November with a decent shot to, uh, to still make some noise as far as the, the conference and the playoff. Um, but I'm actually going to go with Texas A&M in this one just because they're – I mean, number one, they're at home. But they also – you know, I just also really like the direction that they're going. And I think they have a chance to uh, to really have a big season this year. I'm a big fan of Mike Elko, the defensive coordinator. And, um, you know, Kellen Mond is a really good playmaker. I think he's going to be able to, you know, um, extend some plays and, um, you know, really be able to uh, give this Auburn defense some problems. And uh, I really like A&M's receivers as well. Um, I just think that they don't put up like crazy numbers, but like they, I just feel like every time I watch them play, they're always making great catches. So uh, I'm just, I'm going to go with A&M in this one, actually. JB, is it, is because, because Auburn's strength on defense is defensive line and Texas A&M is a more of a pass heavy team that this isn't really going to, their Auburn's defense isn't going to neutralize A&M's offense as much as you would like. No, I wouldn't think so. But, I mean, Auburn does have a really experienced secondary. Granted, at times they did struggle last year. But when you look at their secondary, I mean, they've got uh, projected, you know, three seniors and a junior um, in their uh, secondary, which is, you know, a lot of experience. And that's what you want in the, in the SEC is a lot of experience. But uh, I, I actually really like A&M in this one. Um, they're going to be 2-1 most likely at this point. And um, this will be their first big home game of the season. And I, I think they're going to come in fired up for this one. Now, if you remember how last year's game ended, uh, A&M controlled pretty much the entire game at Auburn. And uh, Auburn uh, was able to uh, muster a uh, late fourth-quarter comeback from double digits in order to win that game. I think A&M comes in motivated. And I like Texas A&M to win this one. I would actually agree with you all. And probably most – most likely because uh, it's at AM, but I think AM's going to be good as well. 
So that's three and one Auburn going back to Auburn to play Mississippi State. I'd say this whole, but is this a easy win for Auburn? Um, I mean, I have a little bit too much pride to say easy win, um, but I do think they're going to get the win in this one. Obviously, being at home, Auburn is a you know this is their first big home game of the year, um, and I just think that they're really going to be excited for this game, even though they're coming off a loss. Um, I just think this is going to be a big game. They want to avenge last year where uh, they didn't play their best game. Definitely in Star Bowl, they definitely missed uh, some big opportunities in that game, and you know probably could have won if they'd. Uh, Exit on on a few open plays. Um, just had a lot of bad things go against him. Um, but uh, you know, I just I'm not really sure if Mississippi State's going to be on offense this year, and I'm just not sure that they're good enough to go on the road and put up any points on Auburn. And State's defense is going to struggle a little bit against the run this year more than they did last year. You know, obviously losing Jeffrey Simmons in the middle is huge. Um, and I just – their defensive line is not going to be nearly as dominant this year as it was last year, and I think Auburn's going to be able to have some success running the ball. And um, I do like Auburn in this one. Holt, I don't know if you saw it today, but I think it was SEC Mike that tweeted out something about um, the – God, I can't even think of his name real quick. Uh, Moorhead saying that uh, ideally he would want his quarterback to run like 10 to 15 times a game. Did you see that? Um, no, I did not see that, but that usually kind of goes with the Joe Moorhead offense. Obviously, last year, uh, Nick Fischel ran the ball a lot more than that just because I believe that that's kind of what he's comfortable doing. That was kind of like his skill set. Uh, but I think that was kind of led to the detriment of the offense last year was Nick Fischel running the ball a little bit too much. So, you know, obviously they bring in Tommy Stevens this year, and he's you know more of a, a passing quarterback from all indications. Obviously, he doesn't have a ton of playing experience, but uh, he's supposed to be known as more of a passer and uh, fits the system a little bit better. So he will still run the ball, but not nearly as much as, as uh, Fitzgerald did. But Fitzgerald had a huge game in this game last year, and uh, so did Kylan Hill, uh, the running back from Mississippi State. Both of them were well over 100 yards in this game last year. Uh, this is actually the game that Nick Fischel broke the uh, the record for rushing yards by a quarterback in SEC history. Um, so, obviously, he had, he had a big game last year, and, you know, he's obviously moved on. But it'll be interesting to see how this offense looks with uh, Tommy Stevens running the show. Well, the only reason why I brought up that quote was because it seems to contradict everything I thought about Moorhead because I thought he was a pass-heavy offense or his offense was pass heavy and he didn't really want the quarterbacks to run as much well it's very like rpo based so i mean okay. he's pretty much going to take what what the defense gives them um if the quarterback running game is there and they feel like they can make a play with it then that's what they're going to go with um you know but yeah. obviously this year since um they're going to be throwing the ball a little bit more you know those numbers are going to be down a little bit just because that's not necessarily his strength as much but i mean yeah i mean and when Trace, you know, when he was at Penn State and Trace McSorley was playing under him, I mean, he ran the ball, you know, maybe 10, 12 times a game, a little bit more than people realized. Yeah, like me. You're right. Jamie, how much is Auburn going to win this game by? Um, not as much as you would probably think. I mean, I think Mississippi State is, you know, very well built to uh, compete with Auburn. I mean, it's not like – I don't think it's a blowout whatsoever. I mean, you know, this game is at uh, – Auburn, like Mississippi State, has just always been one of those teams that plays everybody close. Like, but they always compete hard. I mean, that was definitely a uh, tribute to uh, the Dan Mullen era. But 
even before Mullen, like Mississippi State has always been one of those programs that just, you know, is feisty and plays everyone close. Uh, they definitely take on that underdog role. And I, I think they come into Auburn and they play a really tough game. But I do like Auburn in this one, though, but I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I think it's going to be um, maybe maybe a one-possession game, but I, I don't think it's going to be more than two. Hold, you, I, <laughs> you, you get mad every time I bring it up, but I think you remember that 49-3 game, whatever it was, a few like four years ago now, three years ago, when Auburn was finally getting it together and they played Mississippi State and Mississippi State couldn't stop them. It was 38-14, yeah. I think. Smile score. Yeah, I remember that game. That was uh, that was uh, Petway's big breakout game. Yeah, I remember before the game, everybody was talking about how Auburn starting running back at the time. I can't remember who it was was out, and they were gonna have to go all the way to like their third string guy, who was actually more like a fullback. And it was actually Cameron Petway, and he ran for like five hundred yards. So yeah, I definitely remember that game. I remember Nick Fitzgerald getting booed by the whole student section. <laughs> um, but honestly, the defense was the problem that game. I mean. Auburn just ran the ball over Mississippi State that day. That was that was a rough game to watch. It was, it was yeah, it was tough. It was tough for your Mississippi State fan. I, I would agree. Let's move on to the next game. Uh, so that's what four and one. Auburn takes on Florida in Gainesville. Florida could be undefeated. I think at this point. I think that we that's what we discussed earlier. There are only tough games before that are Miami, Tennessee, and at Kentucky. If you want to consider that tough, so it could be undefeated. Florida taking on a five and one. Uh, Auburn game, so I don't know if that would be game day good, but it could be depending on the other games that week. Um, so this is one you're most excited about, Holt. So go ahead and talk about it. Yeah, I mean it's just a really unique matchup. You know, a lot of people don't know this, but you know Auburn and Florida had a little bit of a rivalry there for a little while. Is one of the things that kind of got sacrificed when they switched divisions, um, or they they switched two divisions. Um, obviously, Auburn's permanent crossover is Georgia, so they don't get to play Florida that often anymore. But, uh, you know, there have been a lot of really uh, fun games uh, in this series. I mean, obviously, um, me and JB are going to remember the, uh, the the field goal in the swamp to beat uh, – by Auburn to beat Florida and, the you know, the crazy Florida fan that went viral because of that. Uh, I still like to watch that from time to time. Uh, so, it's a really exciting matchup. And, you know, um, Gus Malzahn and Dan Mullen are very, very familiar with each other. Um, this is going to be a really tough game for Auburn. Um, I just think that Florida is going to be able to stop the run. Uh, Todd Grantham uh, is really aggressive on defense. And uh, I just think they're going to be able to slow down the run game. And I'm just not sure that Auburn's going to have enough in the passing game uh, to create explosive plays in the passing game against Florida. Uh, because if you're going to beat a Todd Grantham defense, you have to be able to connect on those deep balls. Um and over the top when he blitzes. So, you know, that's really what this game is going to come down to. And uh, I just like Florida at home. I think, uh, you know, I just think Damon's a really solid coach. And um, when we did the Florida preview, um, this was a really tough game for me to pick. And, um, you know, I had all, I had Florida only going like eight and four, but I think they're actually a little bit better than that. Um, so I'm going to go with Florida in this one. And uh, I like the Gators to get the win down in, down the swamp. It's tough to remember what you picked in the previous podcast to keep it consistent because I think I picked Auburn, but I'm not positive. This, this is one that I might go either way. So I think I picked Auburn. That's who I'm picking this game. Uh, I think JB also picked Auburn in that preview. You are correct, Alex. I did pick Auburn. Um, this is just a series that's always been exciting to me. I, I wish these two schools would play a lot more. I mean, it's just one of those robberies like Holt alluded to that it's one of those that, lo- that was lost when the two divisions formed, I really hate that these two schools don't play. Like I, like I said earlier, the, 
It's Auburn is the closest school to Gainesville. So, I mean, I wish they would play more. But I, I, I do like Auburn in this win. I just think that top to bottom, I think they are a better team than Florida. Just And I like, I like the way that uh, Auburn's defense is set up. I think their defense is set up to uh, really be able to uh, contain uh, Mullen's attack really well. And I think in this game, I think if Auburn's able to muster up 20 points, I think they can win because I think they can hold Florida's offense to under 20 points. So I like Auburn to uh, go into the swamp and get a really big win. I'll pick Auburn too as uh, just to be the tiebreaker here. So uh, I think I had it wrong before, but now they Auburn's five and one. They would be four and one going into the game. Now they're five and one. Uh, take on Arkansas at Arkansas. Um, think this should be an easy win. I'll just let uh, Holt talk about this one just to keep it short and sweet. Yeah, I mean, I feel like Gus Malzahn always has a little chip on his shoulder when he goes up against Arkansas just because of the, the past he has there. Obviously, former high school coach, former assistant coach uh, at the University of Arkansas. Um, so I, I think that this is always kind of a big game for him. And, um, you know, I'm really excited to see what Arkansas looks like this year. I would be a lot more likely to pick them to surprise some people if they'd finished the season better last year. But they finished the season on such a bad note, game absolutely just – dominated by Mississippi State and Missouri in the last two games of the season. So, uh, you know, that, that just gives me some pause with this team. They got some talent, but they're very young. Um, they do have some talent at the skill position, though. And um, But I'm going to go with Auburn in this one. They're just a more complete team. I just feel like they're, you know, they're ready to compete right now. And uh, Arkansas is kind of a wild card for me, honestly. Debbie, I'm just going to skip over you because I'm assuming you're picking uh, Auburn as well. So that would be 6-1 Auburn going to LSU – to play Tiger Stadium probably at night. I, I really hope this is a night game. But it's been a two. It's been a two thirty uh, CBS game before, though. But I hope this is a night game. Um, this is gonna be a fun game. Uh, I like that Holt brought this up. Uh, I think during the LSU podcast that Auburn hasn't won in Baton Rouge in what ten years? What is it, Holt? No, it's longer. It's been like twenty years. It's been like since the nineties. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. I just had to give myself time to think. Um, it looks like it's 99 the last time Auburn. So it's actually exactly 20 years, right? Hold. Um, so kind of crazy, crazy stat because the series overall is pretty even. Uh, well, almost even. LSU's leading 30 to 22, but it's um, it's a pretty fun series that's not like really one sided, I don't think. Um, JB, what you got for me? Well, first thing I'll answer for you, Alex, um, I don't think you're going to get your wish that this is going to be a night. Um, the other games this week aren't as intriguing. So this is definitely going to be your CBS game. Let's go ahead and get ready for that. Can CBS – Can CBS? I guess they only do LSU night games um, when they have a doubleheader. So they can't really just do – Yeah. They can't do a night game for LSU just to help us out. That is correct. Yeah, that's that's the unfortunate thing. You know, CBS has the most highest marquee game of the year of the week. And they only get one primetime game a year, and they've already chosen the Georgia Notre Dame game as their primetime game. So, any big LSU home game has a high chance of being on CBS, which is quite unfortunate because you want those big games to be at night. Yeah. But uh, moving on, you know, just talking about the game, like I, I, this is to me one of those um, battle games that's going to determine who's going to be the challenger for uh, Alabama. You know, in November when when Alabama has to play both uh, LSU and Auburn. I think these two teams are pretty evenly matched. I think they're both going to be really great defensively. I think I would give Auburn a slight edge on offense because I really do like uh, whoever the quarterback is going to be, either Gatewood or Knicks, to, uh, by this point of the season, to really be grown into the offense. 
And I think this game is going to be an absolute slobber knocker. I think it's going to be two really good teams. I think at this point, uh, Auburn's going to only have one loss. LSU's only going to have one loss. I think they're going to both be potentially in the uh, top ten at this point in the season. So it's it's going to be one of the highlight games of the year. I think it's going to be just like last year, but actually better played than last year's game. I think it's going to be close like last year. But I am going to give the edge to LSU because it just seems like LSU home games, like when it's a big game at home minus Alabama, LSU always pulls it out. So I'm going to go with the LSU Tigers, handing Auburn their second loss. Hold, is this going to be a defensive battle like we're expecting right here? Um, I believe so. I, don't, I mean, I don't think it's going to be like 6-3 to three or anything like that. Uh, I do think this is more of a defensive game. It's two defensive teams. Um, you know, but it's really – it's all about matchups for me. You know what I mean? I I, I just – LSU is more of a uh, – I mean, I don't want to say they're a finesse defense, but I feel like they're more strong in the secondary, and I feel like they rely more on speed than physicality. And I think Auburn's actually going to get really physical with them in this game. I think they're going to be able to run the football. I think Booby Whitlow is going to have a big game. And I just think Auburn's going to go on the road and snap that streak, get the win in Baton Rouge. I know I'll probably regret this later uh, for saying this, but I just really feel good about Auburn winning this game. I just think it's a good matchup for them. And this is always a close game. You know, the last time they went over there, they totally blew a a second-half lead uh, when they should have won easily. Um, I just just really – think that this is Gus Malzahn's kind of statement game um, to say like, Hey, like I'm not going anywhere. Uh, this is my team. And I just, I just, I don't know. I just think this is going to be a big win for, for Auburn. And I think they're going to go on the road and get, and uh, get that W. So I think that makes me the tiebreaker again, which is always fun. Um, I'm going to pick Auburn in this game. Uh, let me think about this for a second. I think about both your points for a second. Uh, Cause this is at LSU. Um, yeah, I'm actually going to stay with Auburn because I'm not as high on LSU as everyone else is this year. I don't like when they're preseason top 10 and have high expectations. So I'm going to st- stick with Auburn. So I make Auburn still, what, 7-1, I think now? 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7-1, taking on Ole Miss, um, which is listed as a rivalry game on Wikipedia, which I disagree with, but I guess it is. Um, I'll ask you again, Holt, how much do you think Auburn's going to win this game by because I feel like this is a just a big old ass whooping. Yeah, I think uh, Auburn's going to win this game by about 21 points. So the the only uh, pause that I have is this is just coming off a big game and they have a bye week coming up after this. And I just wonder if at all they're already thinking about that Georgia-Alabama um, stretch at the end of the season. Um, you know, I don't think Ole Miss is necessarily going to be great this year. I think they're probably going to be coming off a few losses by this point in the season. Um, you know, their coach may be on the hot seat a little bit. So, you know, I mean, I, I don't really know. They could be sort of like a like a wild card. I th- you know, I just have no idea what their offense is going to look like, um, what their identity is going to be. Um, I just play Auburn's a really safe pick here, and I just think they're going to be able to run the ball with ease on Ole Miss because until Ole Miss shows me that they can stop the run, I'm just going to assume that, uh, that they're just going to get run over by everybody with a half-decent running back. Tabby, is there anything to add to that? Um, the only thing I can add is that um, Auburn is going to dominate this game on uh, in the trenches. I mean, they're way better on the offensive line and the defensive line than Ole Miss is. And by this point in the season, I think Ole Miss is going to be reeling. I mean, I don't I don't think they're going to be, you know, playing uh, you know as motivated by November as they would have been if they had played in September. I think Auburn uh, steamrolls roll this one. 
eight and one Auburn taking on Georgia. Uh, Jamie, do you like how the schedule sets up for Auburn? You you talked about it earlier. The last four games are at at Auburn, but they basically have like from the Florida game on, it's like they have a tough opponent and then like almost a bye week or an easy week because they have Florida. And they kind of like have an easy opponent with Arkansas, then a tough opponent with LSU, easy opponent with Ole Miss, tough game with Georgia, then Sanford, then Alabama. It's kind of nice setup for Auburn to play like this off games. It is. I mean, I I, I don't want to you know the game at Arkansas is an easy game. I mean, traditionally it's not an easy game, but I mean, Chad Morris is just that program. But I do like the way this the schedule does set up for Auburn. I mean, I I do like how they have all the entire November slate at home. I think Ole Miss and Sanford, you know, should be fairly comfortable wins. But uh, they do get a week off before they play Georgia, which I think is going to be critical for Auburn. I think uh, Georgia is going to come into this game undefeated. But both, but Auburn and Georgia has always been classic games. I mean, this, I mean, it's the Deep South's oldest rivalry. It's been one of the better series in the last 20 years. There's always some great games in this one. And Auburn being at home, I remember two years ago, Auburn dominated Georgia at home two years ago en route to, uh, you know, beating Alabama two weeks later and winning the West before the rematch. I am leaning going with the upset in this one. I think Auburn hands Georgia its first loss and will push its record to eight and two and will potentially be in a position to challenge Alabama in the Iron Bowl for the West title, depending on how Alabama season goes. Although I would say the chances are slim because I think Alabama will be undefeated going to the Iron Bowl. Holt, what you got for that? Yeah, this is a really uh, this is a really tough one. Um, I think Auburn coming off a of bye week and having this game at home gives them a little bit of an advantage. Um, I think maybe not enough people are talking about Georgia this year um, as far as how much they lost off last year's team. I mean, I they got that big offensive line. I know they got a million running backs. They got Jake Fromm. Um, you know, so I feel like everyone's kind of ignoring everything else. They got a new offensive coordinator this year who's really inexperienced. Um, you know, they, obviously they lost a lot off of last year's team. And uh, obviously by this point in the season, they'll be a little bit more experienced. Um, but I'm actually going to go with Auburn in this one. Um, I just feel like Gus Malzahn has to win one of these two games if he's going to keep his job. And I just feel like coming off a of bye week, I feel like Georgia's just a little bit overrated. I feel like Auburn's just a little bit underrated. This is always a good game. It's a big robbery game. Um, I'm just going to go with Auburn in this one. All right. So, uh, nine and one. Yeah, nine and one Auburn takes on Stanford. Um, this is an easy win. This is basically like the – I don't know if this is the homecoming game. I don't know what their homecoming game is. I would imagine this would be it, but I don't know for sure. Ole Miss is the homecoming game, isn't it? I have no indication. Somebody needs to update the Wikipedia real quick because that's how I get my facts. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. But this is an easy win. Uh, it's kind of an off week. Um, oh, do you like going to games like that you can afford but, like, are shitty like this? No. Yeah. That's that's, I, that's how I feel, too. I feel like I, you might as well pay the money. just glad, Alex, that this will be the last year with uh, FCS opponents, you know, in the – second to last uh, week of the season in November. Because uh, starting next year in 2020, we're going to have some pretty marquee games in the SEC uh, before, you know, the final week of the season. So, yes, I'll, I am glad we're done with these FCS games. I hope that we still keep the, the group in five or the power six, at least, uh, in mind. Yeah, okay with the group of 
like we can talk about this in a future episode, but I'm okay with the SEC teams scheduling maybe one or two group of five opponents per season in the non-conference, but I think they should do away with all FCS opponents. Yeah. Yeah, it really doesn't serve a purpose other than just getting their confidence and just letting everybody else play and win a game, I guess. I don't know. But it's not – it's like none of us are going to be watching this past, like, the first five minutes of the game or first quarter at least, I don't think. But, well, anyway. So, that's a win there against Sanford. And they have the Iron Bowl um, against Alabama at Auburn this year. Um, Alabama could be undefeated. Auburn could have one loss. That's what we're projecting right now, at least. So this is basically a de facto or round-robin SEC championship game to get into that SEC championship. So this will be really fun. I'm excited for it. Um, Auburn has trouble beating Alabama, except for like whatever it was two years ago. But um, maybe this is the year that Alabama could finally lose to Auburn again. Um, JB, you're really high on Auburn. Are you brave enough to pick them to beat Alabama? Um, I'm going to have to tell you no. I mean, I think Alabama is going to absolutely, you know, steamroll through their through their season. I mean, I think this Alabama team could potentially be better than last year's team. I think their defense is going to be much better from last year. Last year's defense uh, was the worst defense that I can remember in the last decade or so that I've seen under Nick Saban's leadership. I think their defense is going to take a huge step forward from last year. I mean, it was kind of a rebuilding year for their defense. And I think the offense, with every single one of their skill position players back from last year, you know, they're going to keep, continue the rhythm from last season. And I think they're going to put a huge emphasis on running the ball, too, and becoming a little bit more balanced. And I think Alabama is just going to be too good for, for, for pretty much every opponent they play this season in SEC. I mean, this is a really stacked team. But I do think Auburn's going to play them really hard. I mean, they're going to be 9-2 and two at this point and playing maybe for an outside shot at a playoff spot. I mean – if you finish 10-2 and two and don't win the division, I mean, the chances are pretty much making the playoff, but they might still have a fighting chance at this point to maybe have an outside shot. So I think they're going to be motivated. And I think this game will go four quarters, but I think Alabama ultimately uh, puts them away late in the fourth quarter and wins the Iron Bowl. JB, did you just say they have a chance to make an outside shot? <laughs> yeah, so I guess uh, take a 30-footer. Four, five, four. God. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, 30 footer. I was about to um, have a little Freudian slip there, but uh, 30 footer, what I was saying, like a basketball shot. <laughs> oh, but I like the basketball references in football season. It's kind of nice. A um, couple questions, JB. Uh, you mentioned Alabama's getting back to running the ball like they have traditionally done under Saban. Do you think this year, with Najee Harris coming back and then Trey Sanders, the number one running back coming in, do you think these two running backs are going to be better than Damian Harris, Josh Jacobs last year? Um, I don't know if I would say. Uh, I think maybe, but I mean, I, I think it's definitely could be a push. But I mean, I do think that uh, Saban is wanting to be able to run the ball better this year because I mean, we saw last year uh, in the Clemson game uh, they they got shut down on the run, and Clemson had a really good game plan, and that's who Alabama's ultimately. I'm not going to say chasing, but that's a team that they're going to be trying to prepare for all season because that's who they're going to have to beat in order to become a national champion again. Hold, this isn't an Alabama podcast, but everybody just is putting Clemson ahead of Alabama, but especially with Trevor Lawrence coming back. But Clemson's going to have to replace the whole, their whole defensive line. Do you think? Do you think Alabama could is better or is better than Clemson this year, or should be, or will be better than the Clemson? 
Yeah, I, I do think Alabama is better than Clemson this year. Um, since you asked that, and I am also picking Alabama to beat Auburn. By the way, um, just so we can get that out of the way. Sure. But um, I, I just I think that Alabama is a more complete team. I think they're going to be better on defense than Clemson this year. And I think a lot of people are really overreacting to the final score of that Alabama Clemson game last year. You know, if you look at the stats, I mean, Alabama moved the ball up and down the field on Clemson. They just really struggled once they got into the red zone. And uh, Clemson just had just a ridiculous – I mean, I don't want to say luck because, I mean, they made plays. But, you know, they, they made a lot of plays on third down that you just – like, no one makes that many plays on third down. Like, I mean, it, it was just unbelievable. It's not every time they were on third and long, the wide receiver made some ridiculous catch. Um, so, I think people are maybe overreacting a little bit too much to that game. Um, I think Alabama is a more complete team than Clemson. I think Clemson, you know, I think Trevor Lawrence is one of the best college quarterbacks we've ever seen. Um, and I think that's a huge reason why um, people are talking about Clemson so much this year. But, you know, if you remember, their secondary really wasn't that great last year. They were really spotty at times. And uh, that defensive line has pretty much all moved on. I mean, they've got some really highly recruited guys, you know, backing up. But we haven't, you know, when you lose that many guys and that much experience, it's just tough to replace that. And, um yeah. I just I feel like there's less questions about Alabama. The problem with Alabama is I feel like they have a tougher schedule um, than Clemson does. I feel like Clemson's schedule is is pretty weak. Yeah, it'll um, it, it's it's fun to talk about uh, just because I think most people would agree saying Alabama's defense is better than Clemson, especially with how much Clemson lost on defense uh, the defensive line. But their offense, people just want to assume that Clemson's offense is better because Trevor Lawrence, but. Um, they obviously have their good running back. What's his name? Etzny. Is that how you say it? Holt? ETN. ETN. And the receiver that was a D Higgins. T Higgins. Who is it? Who am I thinking of? T Higgins. Uh, Mari Rogers. I mean, they got some weapons. Yeah, but I mean, you you compare. I mean, it's really it really is close to push because you compare Trevor Lawrence to Tua, and we're gonna say Trevor Lawrence is better, but Tua is really good and really accurate and. So that's almost a push. We'll give Clemson this light favor there. But wide receivers, I would actually give Alabama the edge with Judy and Waddle. And then you go running backs. Anthony or whatever, however you say his name, Holt, is, he's pretty good. But I think Najee Harris is going to have a breakout year. And I know I said that last year, but I think he really is going to have a breakout year this year. And I think Trey Sanders is really, really good. Yeah. And, um, you know, I know this doesn't really have anything to do with Auburn, but um... – I, I do think that Alabama is going to get back to uh, running the ball a little bit more this year. I think that was kind of uh, maybe a big talking point for Nick Saban this offseason. We know what Tua can do. We know what these receivers can do. But the fact is, in that championship game last year, they were not able to run the ball in the red zone. And I think that was kind of the difference for Alabama's offense in that game last year. So uh, I think they're going to try to get back to being more physical on offense. And um, – you know, maybe a little bit less RPOs and a little bit less big numbers for two in those receivers. But I do think that uh, that they're going to get back to running the ball a little bit more this year. And Najee Harris and, you know, I mean, even the freshmen coming in like Trey Sanders and uh, Brian Robinson, uh, who's a junior this year. I mean, I think all those guys have a chance to have a big, big season. So you don't think that – I guess neither one of you all think this is a year that Alabama is going to lose one game that they shouldn't. Like they – have lost to Ole Miss, but still won the national championship those two years. Uh, you don't think they're going to lose to Auburn because Auburn's a really good team, and that's probably if you're looking at Alabama's schedule, which ones they're which games that they have risk to. Um, people will point to, or at least I would look at it and say, at A and M's going to be tough. Mississippi State, actually, believe it or not, whole could be like a sleeper game just because they could overlook Mississippi State, and then um, at Auburn in the Iron Bowl. I think all those games are 
uh, potential losses. They're obviously not going to lose all of them, and they might not lose one of them. But I think one of those games is has a good potential for Alabama to lose. But this again, it could be like one of those years where Alabama just destroys everybody, forty to fifty to nothing. Yeah, I mean, I think that coming into this Auburn game, like there's a really good chance that it could be like a a nine and two, ten and one Auburn team versus an undefeated Alabama team. Um, so I would definitely feel like this could be like a really huge game. Um, I mean, it's definitely going to be a sellout and it's going to be a crazy atmosphere. Um, even if Auburn has, you know, three or four losses at this point. Um, but I mean, you know, like you said, I mean, it's, it's Auburn or Alabama is kind of on this streak where they seems like they go undefeated one year and then lose in the playoff. And then like they lose a regular season game they shouldn't lose and then win in the college in the, and win the championship. So, you know, maybe Alabama will like mess around and lose like South Carolina on the road or Texas A&M on the road. <laughs> Or, you know, maybe even – I mean, I don't think they're going to lose to Mississippi State or LSU just because I don't think either one of those teams can score on them at all. But I like it maybe South Carolina and Texas A&M, and maybe those are – they could drop one of those games um, just because of, you know, maybe some big plays in the passing game and maybe two as an off day. I don't know. But, um, you know, I, it seems like one of those years where Alabama's going to lose the game in the regular season that they shouldn't and then just go on like a – that crazy run they do at the end of the season every year. Um, so, I mean, I feel like coming into this game, like it's gonna, it's definitely going to be a huge game. And, uh, you know, depending on how Auburn does, it could determine the SEC West. And uh, there's also a chance that the loser of this game, if, if Auburn beats Alabama, there's a chance that both teams can make the playoff. That's that's to give my next question. I'll ask JB. We're, we're projecting Auburn to go 10-2, which I think – I think – all three of us have them with at least nine wins. I think individually we have them with at least nine wins, if not 10 and two or 11 and one. So we'll just say 10 and two, JB, Auburn with losses to Alabama and A&M. Does that get them into just a new year six? I think that's safely gets them to new year six, right? But playoff yeah. is very debatable. Absolutely. Yeah. If you're, if you finish 10 and two, you're guaranteed to go into new year six. If you're an SEC team, I actually think if you go nine and three, you are uh, probably going to make it to a New Year's. I mean, I think ten and two, you're guaranteed. You're you're safe. You're definitely going to be in a New Year's Six bowl. So, Holt, could you picture ten and two Auburn um, with a loss at the end of the year against Alabama? Everybody praises Gus Malzahn, and they lose in New Year's Six to UCF again. Um, I mean, maybe. I mean, honestly, like if we're going with like the Gus Malzahn. Uh, like trend. I mean, that's usually how it would go. I mean, he gets a big win uh, and then he gets like an extension and then he immediately like, you know, sucks it up afterwards and is right back on the hot seat. So um, that would be very, uh, you know, on brand, very, very in character for Gus Malzahn yeah. to pull off something like that. Um, but no, I mean, I, I think this is going to be a big year for Auburn. I think it's going to be, you know, a year that Auburn fans look back on, you know, and think of fondly. Um, I don't know if they're necessarily quite a playoff team um, because, as I said earlier, like if Auburn has a couple of injuries on the offensive line, they could really be in trouble. Um, you know, we feel good about the starting five, but after that, you know, we really don't know. Um, and, we, you know, we don't really know about either quarterback as a passer. You know, I don't really worry about first-year quarterbacks as much as some people do. Like, you know, people talk about, like, returning quarterbacks, and, like, some of those quarterbacks suck. So it's like, why is that, like, important? Um you know, like, I, I feel better about Auburn's quarterback situation than I do Florida's. I mean, I'll tell you that. And Florida has a returning starter, so uh, I feel better. Starter. Uh, yeah, and, I mean, that's the thing is, like, I'm, 
you know, I, I feel like Auburn's quarterback is going to be better than Felipe Franks this year, and I've never even seen either one of them play. I love how we just always find a way to shit on Felipe Franks. Yeah. Well, I actually didn't even bring up his name when I, when I picked Florida to beat Auburn, but, you know, looking back on it, I'm not really sure how he's going to put up too many points on Auburn's defense. Yeah. That was kind of my point, too. When I, when I was talking about the Florida-Auburn game, I feel like if Auburn can score more than 20 points, they win. Well, I think Emory Jones is probably going to be a starter by then. We shall see. Oh, I hope, because I like Emory Jones. I like seeing what Dan Mullen yeah. do with him over Felipe Franks. Well, you know Dan Mullen loves those upperclassmen. <laughs> yeah. So, it's going to be a fun season uh, for Auburn this year. Um, JB, if, if Gus fails to fulfill – the hopes and dreams of Auburn this year and only wins seven or eight games. And I guess that at that point he would be fired. Would you still think he's a good enough coach to get a power five job or do you think he should? Or like, what, what do you think would be the future for Gus after that? Yeah. I mean, if he were to have a seven or eight win season and get fired, I definitely th- could see him being a candidate, you know, to flip himself back to another power five job the following season. I mean, definitely a, a power five coach i mean it's just it's just hard to win in the sec i mean he's, he's got a tough job and but yeah if he only wins seven or eight games i mean he, i would go ahead and chalk it up that he will not be back the following season if uh if kevin Sumlin could get a power five job after a&m then guess my on yeah yeah i think so too someone someone's gonna hire him whether it's like a big 10 team or an acc team something like that or, or a big 12 team even i mean someone's gonna give him a shot yeah he'd be a good fit in the big 12 i think god I agree. I just I, – I, at one point, I really liked Kevin Sumlin as a coach. When he was coaching at Houston, coached the first year at – first year or two at Texas A&M when he, they beat Alabama. And now, like, he's just – he's not a rock bottom, but, like, he's just not a good coach anymore. Oh, no. I've heard rumors that uh, that Johnny Manziel is a choir boy compared to Kevin Sumlin. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah Sumlin definitely has a uh, party issue. Yeah. We don't have to go into too many details. No, that. That's How's that uh, ice water tasting, Alex? It's it's pretty pretty fulfilling. Nothing like high quality H2O. Out of a glass, too. Yeah, that's fancy. It is. It is. All right. I think it's I think it's past our time. We over overstayed our welcome. But thanks again for listening to our our Auburn preview. Probably do another SC West team in a few days, and I don't even know who it's going to be. Probably A and M since we're talking about Kevin Sumlin so much. But thanks for listening. We'll talk to you later. See you. Thanks for tuning in to another outstanding episode of the SEC Slow Smoke Podcast. Be sure to rate us and subscribe on iTunes or your podcast app of choice. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at SEC Slow Smoked. Spread the good word on this podcast like the chili and cheese on your fries. If you like this podcast, tell a friend because there's plenty to go around. Oh, yeah.